This is Andy. Welcome to episode 116 of the Sprinkler Nerd Show, where it is my job to speak with world-class water and landscape entrepreneurs from all over this industry, the tech industry, and any industry that I can work my way into to get fun and interesting folks to come chat with me on the show and inspire you. But today, I'm kind of just winging it. Today actually is Friday, April 28th, probably about 41 minutes before I'm going to launch this episode because today's episode is kind of just a, uh, a tongue twister. Um, tongue twister for me. I'm going to talk about something that I find extremely valuable and something that I think is coming really for our industry and something that we're all going to be learning more about. This week, I was out in Scottsdale, Arizona at the American Society of Irrigation Consultants National Meeting, and it was awesome to see old friends, designers that I've known for almost 20 years, have great conversations, uh, more so about technology and uh, sensors and data than ever before, but it was super fun to have some of you guys mention the podcast and a couple of you have interest in coming on the podcast, and I can't wait to chat with you on a future episode. So I've titled today's episode, Feel Capacity My Ass, because honestly, I think sometimes using terms like field capacity can easily confuse the average person. And part of I, fe I feel part of the reason that soil moisture sensing technology hasn't taken off is because of confusion. And so I would like to sort of uh, own this or help own this and make it my job to provide clarity around soil moisture sensors, how they work, what does the data mean. And field capacity, my ass, is kind of funny because actually field capacity is everything. It is the baseline. <laughs> Pun actually intended there. Field capacity is the baseline Nothing else matters until you know field capacity. So what I wanted to do today was take a few minutes, share my experience, understanding field capacity, maybe the importance of it, and a couple tips to help you better understand it. So without further ado, let's play the intro and then get right into field capacity, my ass. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Okay. So in order to understand field capacity and talk about field capacity, I first think we should define field capacity. Field capacity refers to the maximum amount of water that a soil can hold against the force of gravity. All right? It's kind of the point at which the soil is fully absorbed. I won't say saturated. Fully absorbed with water, and then the excess water has drained away. Okay, after that excess water has drained away, that's field capacity. At field capacity, the soil is sort of holding as much water as it possibly can, and any additional water that we add to the soil will actually drain away due to that force of gravity. 
One great way to illustrate this, maybe this will create a mental picture in your mind, is to think of taking a sponge in your kitchen sink, okay? If the sink is full of water, you put the sponge into the water, you let the water soak into the sponge fully, then you lift the sponge out of the sink, it starts to drip, 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 drip. That's saturation. As soon as the water stops dripping out of the sponge, that's field capacity, okay? That's the point at which the water can hold the, the, the moisture after gravitational drainage. Okay, so the sponge is a great way to describe this, great way to understand it, great way for you to describe this to your customers, your clients. And seeing this on a graph is awesome as well. So typically, I like to see this on a graph. So historically, working with baseline controllers, I would pull up a soil moisture graph report. I would look at this uh, on the graph to understand the concept and teach people about it. Okay, so the way that it looks on the graph, and again, I think probably the best way for you to visualize this is that sponge because we can all picture a sponge dripping. Okay, and what that looks like on the graph is a spike. When, when the soil is full of water and it is dripping, it, it's not holding water. So the water is actually draining out of that soil. So you see this spike, wet, boom, it spikes up and it's draining quickly, right? The water is dripping out of that sponge. So you get this needle tip tall spike. And then as the drops start to slow down out of the sponge, that's, that's kind of like a curve. It represents a curve, a dry down curve on the graph. And, and that curve, which is sometimes called like the shoulder, the shoulder of that curve, that illustrates where field capacity is, okay? And you can kind of measure it. So if we were looking, this, looking at this on a graph, you could take your cursor, you could hover over the line, and you could get a, a numeric value for field capacity, okay? So more on that in just a moment. The other way that we can describe field capacity instead of using that term, which is very scientific, but it's important for us to understand it, but the average person may not. So one way to describe, another way to describe that to the average person is just using the term wet. <laughs> Sounds easy, silly, but, it, but it's true. It's wet, not too wet, not too dry, just right. It's the Goldilocks of wet. It's perfectly wet. Not too wet, not too dry, just right. It's the Goldilocks of wet, okay? And again, you can measure this. It's a scientific value. Field capacity is scientific. How much you allow that to um, deplete is the art. You can, you can deplete it as much or as little as your plants can sustain, but every soil has a field capacity value that can be measured, all right? Let's go with another way to think about this. I'm giving you a few examples because maybe one will stick more than another, and these are just analogies that I've used over the years to help describe the concept. A third way to describe this is a lot like a percolation test, okay? And a lot of landscapers know this and home builders understand this because if you have a well for your water supply, Actually, not a well. What am I saying? If you have a septic uh, system, a lot of wells also have septic systems versus city water. But if you have a septic system, typically you have to do a percolation test to see 
how the water drains through that soil to see whether that soil can even house or hold a septic tank, okay? So typically a percolation test, you dig a hole, you fill it up with water, you watch it drain over time, and then that would determine if you would be allowed to get a permit from your town to put in the drain field, okay? So the faster a soil drains, the more sand there's going to be in the soil, and the slower it drains, the more clay we're going to have in the soil. Or, like, based on that drainage rate, it can also describe, you know, kind of the compaction and the structure because the soil type is only one variable, right? So if we say, I have sandy loam, well, that does just because you have sandy loam or you think you have sandy loam or you sent your soil test to a lab and they said you have sandy loam, it doesn't mean the soil actually behaves like you have sandy loam because there is compaction and there's structure in the soil that can also affect how water moves through the soil. So what we're really chasing is that field capacity and we want to measure it and we measure it with the soil moisture sensor. Okay, got it? Am I, am I tracking with you? All right? Picture the sponge, picture the... Um, uh, the perk test, digging the hole, watching the water drain through the soil, we can measure those, measure the rate and determine the soil type, or actually more, we can determine that field capacity, which tells us about the soil type with the soil moisture sensor, all right? So back to field capacity. Field capacity being perfectly wet, it's the Goldilocks wet, all right? Now, that's where things start to get really fun, because if you can understand that concept, you can now understand how everything else about soil moisture works. It's all relative to field capacity. And I think this is where most current manufacturers, if not all current manufacturers, have missed the mark. I'm going to tell you why here in just a minute. But again, this is my opinion that most of them have missed the mark because they focus on volumetric soil moisture. They focus on the the data coming out, the actual reading of the soil at any moment, but one reading alone is not enough, all right? So I'm going to tell you what that means here in a minute, but I want to also mention that typically, you know, engineers of soil moisture sensors, either just probes, control systems, engineers know, like, what we're talking about. They know what this means. They know exactly what the readings are, how to set the sensors, and from my personal experience teaching and training on the subject matter for, God, it's crazy, almost 20 years, I know how to set the sensors, but I also know that the average knuckle dragger has no idea. <laughs> and the first question that they always ask me, like every time, how do I set the sensor, Andy? I put the sensor in. How do I set it? And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about and provide you with some understanding of field capacity, allowable depletion, permanent wilting point, all that shit can be so confusing that what we really want to focus on is field capacity. All right. And here's my tip. If field capacity equals wet and wet equals full, okay, think of this like a tank, a tank of soil, full is 100%. So I like to take the volumetric moisture percentage and find field capacity and set that to be full because this makes the most sense to the average person. 
is my soil full? Is my soil empty? Or where in between those values is it? But the actual volumetric soil moisture percentage doesn't matter so much after we understand field capacity because we're going to set field capacity equal to 100% and then the tank size is going to be determined from that, all right? And that's where I think most manufacturers miss the mark because they should set their calibration relative to field capacity and set a new tank size, okay? So we're going to get, I'm going to give you a few examples here in, in a moment, but I want you to think about that concept, okay? If field capacity is wet and wet is full, and full must equal 100%. So field capacity equals 100%, okay? Then we want to know what is 50% full and what is empty, and that's really the scale that we should be thinking about, okay? Because if we take one reading... And which is actually something that people typically ask me. So let me give you let me give you that example. Oftentimes, after someone installs a soil moisture sensor system, I would get a call, right? And the the client says, Andy, you know, something like this. My moisture sensor is reading twenty eight point five percent. What does that mean? How do I set the sensor? Okay, the question is literally most of the time just like that. My moisture sensor is reading 28.5, or it's reading, it's reading some number, and they want to know, what does it mean? How do I set the sensor? And the funny thing is that my response is usually like, I have no freaking idea, okay? How could, how could I, after, with 20 years of soil moisture sensor experience, not know what 28.5% means? <laughs> it's actually that I do know what it means. It means 28.5%, but I don't know what, what that means in terms of wet or dry, Okay? Because I need more information. 28.5% or the, the value that you're taking at any moment does not mean anything all by itself. It has to be made in relationship to field capacity. Right? Is that making sense? If we took a reading of 20% or 25% or 30%, one number all by itself doesn't mean anything. It only means something when compared to field capacity. And I made a couple notes here. I want to give you an example. So this is one piece, actually. I'm actually cheating here. Not reading word for word, but I, I made some notes. So let's say, for instance, we measure field capacity at 26%. Okay? If field capacity is 26% and the client asks me, what does 28.5% mean? I, I know right away shit, that's higher than field capacity. That means your soil is freaking wet, saturated. It's in saturation because I can compare 28.5% to the known field capacity of 26, okay? But maybe what if field capacity was 32? And they asked me, what does 28.5% mean? Then I know, well, it's not yet up to field capacity. Your tank is about, you know, 50% full or 60% full, you have to take the soil moisture sensor reading that you get and you have to compare it to you have to compare it to field capacity. All right? And every moisture sensor reading that is compared to field capacity has to be compared to field capacity on the very same sensor. You can't compare different sensors to each other 
because they're all installed in different environments and how the sensor is installed in each environment could be different. Even if the soil type is the same, how the sensor is installed can affect the reading a bit, which means field capacity on one sensor might be 30. And in the same soil condition, you know, 100 yards away, it could be 32% based on how that sensor is installed. So you want to compare the number that you're getting and field capacity only on one sensor. Never compare two sensors to each other. All right. So for this reason, what I usually recommend is that during installation, you pour a bucket of water over the sensor or any amount of water that's going to take to saturate the sensor, which means get it more wet than field capacity. Get it kind of as wet as you can, you know, to a point. And then wait 24 hours. Kind of like doing that perk test. You want to get it wet, then you want to let gravity take over, and you want to see what it does after 24 hours. You can come back to the site, take a reading, or if your system is connected remotely, you can look at the graph, but you want to give it some time. You want to let gravity do its thing. I don't like that sponge. You want to pick that sponge up out of the sink, let it stop dripping. So you want to wet your soil, get it nice and wet, let gravity take over, and then you want to take another reading, and that reading is field capacity. That's the right or downer. That's your baseline. That's field capacity. And everything else becomes relative to that number. If you take a reading in the future and it's higher, you know your soil's in saturation. If you take a reading in the future and it's 50% lower, you know you're freaking dry. Okay, so the next question I usually get after we find field capacity is how do I set the sensor? And this becomes the art. So I mentioned before that measuring field capacity is a science because you can actually measure it. The amount that you allow for depletion or dry down is the art and there's only best practice and there's observation and there's knowledge of your plant material and the health of your plant material because all of those things can affect how dry and for how long can you maintain dry. But I have one general rule that I usually give to all clients as a starting point and that is 20% depletion. Not 20 percentage points, right? Not going from 30 down to 10, not 20, point, 20 percentage points, but 20% of a number. And that is how you determine your tank size. You take field capacity, you subtract 20% of it, or you multiply it by 0.8, and that will give you your dry number. All right, so let's look at a specific value. Let's pretend here today that we measure field capacity and it's 30%. What would 20% depletion be? What would 20% dry be? What is that number? Well, I, I typically do the math. 10% of 30 is 3, so we'll double that to get to 20. That would be 6, 6 percentage points. Field capacity was 30. 6 percentage points is our tank size, so 24 becomes the depletion. That's dry. We will let the soil go from 30 when it's wet down to 24 when it's dry, and then we'll fill it back up again. And I'm, today I'm not going to be talking about how to automate this. We're just talking about the numbers itself, right? So if you take a reading and it's 25%, you know you're not dry yet because we just said 24 was dry. If you take a reading at 17, you know you're way below your depletion point. 
All right. And I use 20% as a starting point because you never want to start too dry. You never want to, you always want to start a little bit conservative, see how it goes. Then you could lower it a little bit. Then you could lower it a little bit more. But the analogy of using 20% helps to describe how the tank size can be measured. So if we think about the field capacity number, and we think about taking 20% of it. So we started with 30%. We took 20% away. That was, six, that was six percentage points, okay? And then turn on was 24. The type of soil that we're working with actually determines the size of the tank. So generally speaking, and this is kind of a, I guess we could call it a rule, clay soil holds more water. <laughs> so when you measure field capacity in a clay soil, it's going to always be higher. So let's just say it's 33%. Okay? And the range is probably anywhere from 29 to you know, 38%, generally speaking. So clay soil holds more water, so field capacity is a bigger number. Sandy soil holds less water, so field capacity of sand will be lower. Right? Let's say field capacity of sand is 22%, and we're just assuming field capacity of clay is 33%. But if we use the general rule of 20% depletion... 20% of a bigger number is a bigger tank, right? The more clay in the soil, the larger the tank size will be. The more sand in the soil, the smaller the tank size will be. Because 20% of a smaller number is a smaller number. 20% of a bigger number is a bigger number. <laughs> so the smaller the tank, the more frequent it will need to be filled up. The larger the tank, the less frequent it will need to be filled up. Okay? It also means it'll take more, take more water volume to fill it up, but the depletion will occur faster in soil and in, in clay. I'm sorry, it's faster in sand than it will in clay. And I noticed this from my own sort of um, growing up in Vermont. There is the soil's very heavy clay. Lake Champlain used to cover a big portion of the state of Vermont. And this, the soil that was left at the bottom of the lake, you know, eons ago, has tons of clay in it. It holds a shitload of water. Mud season in Vermont sucks. <laughs> However, it's freaking green all the time because the soil doesn't dry out. Now, where I live now in Michigan, it's a sand dune. It's a big-ass anthill. The sand soil holds very little water, dries out quickly, and you have to irrigate the hell out of it. Okay. The climate is actually very similar here in Michigan to where I grew up in Middlebury, Vermont. But the irrigation market in Michigan is huge, and the irrigation market in Vermont is small. Vermont is green. Michigan is brown because of their native uh, you know, soils. And again, I'm making some analogies here and some similarities. I'm not a scientist that knows any evidence of this other than from my own experience. But just sharing that with you because the soil type makes a difference. Another way to look at this is that if you had a 12-gallon gas tank you need to fill up more often than if you had a 20-gallon tank, okay? Now, to fill up the 20-gallon tank takes more volume, takes more gallons, but you can go longer in between, okay? So that's kind of some analogies of, of uh, how this works, and that's really it. Like, that's all there is to it, okay? Essentially, that's all there is to it. So it can be often... It can be easy to often overthink this, overcomplicate this, and, like, totally miss the point, and the point is that you've got to find field capacity. Field capacity becomes like your baseline. 
Field capacity is everything. Field capacity is not my ass. Field capacity actually is everything and everything becomes relevant to it, right? It's that, it's the known variable that you got to find out for every single uh, sensor that you're, that you're working with. And this is why, in my opinion, it's actually impossible to input the soil type into the ET formula. We all know controllers. One of the inputs is soil type. Now, it can get relatively close, but if 30 of us went out and we're in a class, went outside, and were asked to determine the soil type, we'd probably come up with 10 different answers. Not all 30 of us would pick the same soil type. So I think it's really fascinating that controllers ask the user to input the soil type, but the user cannot determine the soil type. It's, it's like almost impossible to pick the soil type, all right, without sending it to a lab, of course. But even if you send it to a lab, the lab can't tell you if it's compacted and what the soil structure is. It can only tell you where it falls on the soil in the soil table, you know, which is better than nothing. Or you could just put a damn soil moisture sensor in the ground and measure field capacity, okay? So I guess just wrapping this up, I, I believe soil sensors is the next revolution that we're going to see in this industry. I mean, we are going to see soil sensors hit hard, guys. And I think as professional irrigators, professional distributors, consultants, designers, landscapers, landscape architects, it's so important to understand this concept and how it works because it's going to affect our business, all right? So remember, everything is relative to field capacity. Learn it, understand it, have a beer with it, think about it, have another beer with it and think about it. Matter of fact, have as many beers as you can and think about it. It will be way more fun that way. So field capacity, my ass, not so much field capacity is everything. That's it, guys. Have an awesome weekend and we'll catch you on the next episode.